Today is Friday, March 27th, 2020, and welcome to the Functioning Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Knox. Thanks for tuning in. Some background information, I am 33 years old, I studied music in high school and college, I took two years and tried to be a freelance amateur bassist, didn't make enough money, went back to school for music education, took a year off in between the courses and the student teaching because I thought maybe I could go back and do the freelance teaching uh, bass player thing if I started teaching more lessons. Went back after that, also didn't give me enough money. Finished the student teaching, got certified in music, got a job, and my friend was auditioning for the National Guard Army Band. I thought that would be a great way of playing while teaching to demonstrate to the kids that I can walk the walk and talk the talk. So I did audition. I got in. They said I did great at the performance audition. I passed the ASVAB test with almost perfect score. Um, But here's the thing, okay? So the whole week leading up to that, I was studying for this ASVAB test. I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before because the staff sergeant wanted me to meet him in New London at 4 a.m. And I lived two hours away, so do the math. I had to wake up at 2 a.m., Got to New London at 4 a.m. so we could get up to Springfield, Massachusetts by 6 a.m. That was his plan. First first and foremost, he didn't get to the New London park and ride until 4.45 a.m. Second, when we got up to Springfield, we were there for like a half an hour before anyone else was there. And I looked, I looked like I was in a bunker in World War II. <laughs> I don't know how I, I got such a good score on the ASVAB test, but the point is, personality test, I just was like, I was gone. I was totally exhausted. I was clicking random things for the personality test. I didn't even pay attention to the, the, the questions. If they if the question was the same, The one I think the thing that they were trying to figure out was if you would see the same question and answer a different thing. Like, it was such a weird, it was so weirdly worded, like, if the, if your house is burning down and your whole family was in it, would you rather save your sister and your mother or yourself or something like that? And the first time I checked my sister and my mother and then the second time I checked myself and so they were like, oh, there are some inconsistencies in your personality test. You are disqualified. We think you have autism. No, they didn't just say that, but long story short, based on the way that I looked, which was dark circles under my eyes, like I hadn't brushed my teeth that morning and I hadn't taken a shower that morning because I didn't want to wake up my family. It was two in the morning when I left. I didn't really look at my hair. I just kind of shaved it all really, really short at the at the barber. The barber shaved it really, really short. Um... So I don't even I don't even remember what I looked like, but I was uh, I was a little shocked. No one had ever told me that before. No one even ever suggested, hey, maybe maybe you have autism. Uh, 
But the next two weeks, I mean, for the next two years, it, it was really bad. Like, I, I, did, I took two years off from teaching completely. Like I, I didn't want to, I, I just wanted to do retail because I didn't know who knew. Like, I told my friend who was auditioning, who had already gotten into the National Guard, um, and I was, like, thinking in my head, oh, my God, maybe he told someone. Why would he tell someone? Shoot. That's because I told him, of course. Now I can't control who he tells. So now everyone's going to know that I have autism. Shoot. What should I do? Is this going to, how is this going to affect the rest of my life? Am I... Am I, am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? Am I going to be able to teach? Are they going to allow me to teach if I have autism? And I told my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, same thing. And for anyone who has a similar situation, if this resonates with you, then I feel your pain. I, I mean, for the for two years, I didn't talk to anyone. I, I just kind of looked at people and wondered if they knew. And I had a whole inner monologue for that those two years. Like, here's my plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save up a bunch of money, and and then I'm gonna reapply, and I'm not gonna tell anyone anything, and just see what happens. See if they see if they know. Like, no, they're they're not gonna keep a record of of these things. It's it's not like it's the U.S. Army or anything like that. I know, genius. Anyway. Those two years were the low, the lowest two years of my life. Um, I, I didn't go back to teaching until 2017, which is, I think, a little bit more than two years. But Okay, so 2015 is when the National Guard disqualification happened, like January 2015. And I didn't start substitute teaching again until 2017, and so... I guess it's been, it was like a little over two years. That was just really, really low for me. Um, anyway, I'm back in the teaching field. I've since gone to, to a church every Sunday. Uh, didn't open up there again until like you know, 2018 is when I started to tell people. And um, yeah, and if you're listening to this now and you feel the same way, from my experience, let me just tell you, it's up to you. Like, I've decided personally, I'm just not going to have kids. And that's helped me to be able to talk about this to other people. Because I think the question on everyone's mind, when I, the first thing that I say is like, hey, so, and they're like, how have you been? I'm like, um, good, you know, I kind of had a rough couple of years. And I'm sorry I haven't been talking to you, or, you know, if I didn't didn't like your posts on Facebook for <laughs> two and a half years, here's why, blah, 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 autism, <laughs> and um, the reason why I'm able to talk about that is because I've just decided I'm not going to have kids, and if that's, if you've, if you've been diagnosed and you still would like to have kids, I encourage you to do that, my dad was adopted, he was. He grew up in an orphanage in Greece. Um, he was adopted at age three into America by the Knox family. That's my last name, Mister Knox. And I just have decided. Well, you know, best case scenario. I, I'm not even sure if I can take care of an adopted kid, but best case scenario, maybe one day I'll I'll adopt kids.
or a kid. Maybe I'll start with a plant. I don't have any plants. Anyway, um, so I was saying, I was telling people about my um, diagnosis and disqualification, and it really helped me. It helped me because I wasn't worried about who knew anymore. Now that everyone knows, I feel like I can resume teaching again, or I felt like I could resume teaching again. So here I am now. It's March. Connecticut has changed the endorsement regulations. If you are already endorsed in a subject like myself, such as music, and you'd like to teach math or science in middle or high school, before you would have needed 12, 15, or sometimes even 30 credits in that subject, math or science, middle or high school, and you would have needed to pass the praxis test, pass the praxis 2 test in that subject area, math, science, middle, or high school. Now, you just need to pass the praxis, and so here I am. I have the praxis registration for the 17th of April. Um, it was scheduled for was it the 19th of March is when I had it scheduled. Thursday the 19th, yep. And on Tuesday the 17th, I remember that because it was St. Patrick's Day and I was wearing green. That's when I got the announcement from... Governor Lamont, that all businesses would be shut down. I tried not to talk about this pandemic. That I did. Um, but, yeah, I was a little upset because I was going to take it, you know, a couple weeks ago. Or a week and a half ago. Or a week and a day ago. I don't know. I can't do math right now. It's funny because I'm taking the middle school math praxis 2 test. Um, and I can't do math while I'm talking. But... I'll state my opinion very quickly. It's terrible that this is happening, and I think that we're doing the best that we can. However, it's having an impact on our economy to the point that I've heard stories in my in my town on the news of of terrible things that have happened. There's a father who I'm not sure what maybe there was something that that was going on before this, but he wasn't able to, I don't know, I'm just imagining, he wasn't able to go back to work because they shut down all the, all the jobs that were not essential. I'm imagining this is the problem. Um, he, he murdered his, his two kids and then he killed himself. And this is like less than a mile away from where I live. It's a pretty safe town in terms of murder. Um, and it really affected me. So, um, I just I have this opinion on on what we should do since everything is shut down um and since that's what's what the the plan is I I think I think we should still allow the younger citizens to go about their business. I think I think some businesses should stay open if there's younger employees who are not at risk of dying from this disease because it sounds like if you get it and you're young and you, and it takes like two to fourteen days to, you know, you have some pretty, pretty high fevers. Um, it sounds like a dry cough, uh, shortness of breath. You know, so it's not a walk in the park. But after that, you have developed an antibody. That's what they're saying. And then you can even donate blood, which is what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if I had it, but I think I did because I, I felt, you know, one day. 
last week, I felt like, man, this is this is weird. I, I haven't felt this dizzy and and uh, you know like hot, <laughs> just for no reason. Um, so and and I'm lucky I didn't have any anything to do because for you know, four or five days last week, I, I just I was at home in bed. Um, but I feel better now. I felt, I felt better for this, this whole week. I've been, um, trying to get my unemployment to kick in because the the paraprofessional job that I was at said, you know what, we're moving to distance teaching or distance learning and, uh, your position is no longer required. (laughs) So they were like, well, we're going to, we're going to ask you to do some distance teaching in a different subject area, if that's okay with you. And I said, sure. And then I was like, how about this? I'm taking the praxis for middle school math. And, um, after that I can, I can totally, you know, like transfer over to that subject. And they were like, ba-bam, son. No, they didn't say that, but basically they said that. So it's it's a good feeling, but um, yeah, I've had to apply for unemployment per their directions. Um, and then unemployment was like, hey, we noticed that you used to work at a grocery store. Why aren't you there now? It's still open. It's a, it's an essential business. And I was like, oh, fine. I'll ask them if they're hiring, and I kept my fingers crossed thinking maybe they wouldn't be hiring, maybe there'd be too many people who were trying to start, you know, working there, and so, but I emailed the the human resources department anyway, and they were like, sure, can you start Thursday? And I'm like, okay, all right, fine. So looks like maybe I won't be getting unemployment, which is a good thing, because we don't want to be in debt. We don't want our country to have to sell its land to the other countries and have it become the United States of other countries. I'm, I mean, that's not really what's going to happen, but, I mean, think about it. We, if we keep on, like, this stimulus bill, I'm sorry, but I just don't think that, I think what would be better, instead of giving all these people all this money, let the young people go back to work, reopen some businesses that are considered partially essential, you know, like restaurants, I'm, I'm, restaurants, there's food there, that's probably what this guy, what, what this guy did, I'm, I'm not just assuming that because he, it sounds like he has a foreign last name, um, but if, if the restaurants were open, and the young people were to get it, and get over it, then they could donate blood to the people who need it, and help them I've, what I've heard is they've developed antibodies in their blood, and we could probably get a vaccine out of this. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, the the economy has just turned upside down, all these jobs are gone, people have no money, and, you know, I'm thankful that I don't have kids. Maybe I'm blessed that I don't have kids. Um, you know, but if, if, the, if, if we were to not make it so that there would be so many people out of jobs and now so much money that's being added to our to our deficit i think we're up at around like 25 trillion dollars now like like the national debt we are in debt 
25 trillion dollars, I think. I'm pretty sure. And that's that's <laughs> that's that's not a little bit of money. That is the equivalent of let me do my uh 1000 billion dollars. That that's not a real number, but 100 billion times 10 would be 1 trillion times 25. So it'd be 25,000 billion. <laughs> if that was a number, 25,000 billion. You know how people say like 2500 instead of 2500 because it's easier to think about in terms of increments of 100. Well, I don't even know what that would be. It's it's 25 million millions. You know, if you if you were to make the million 100 million, then the next increment of 10 would be 1000 million or 1 billion or 10,000 million, or 10 billion, or 100,000 million, which is equal to 100 billion, then it would equal 1 million million dollars is 1 trillion, so 25 million millions. That's just, I, I, I just get dizzy thinking about how much money that is. And I'm not a Republican. I don't know why I said that. Well, I, I say that, okay, I do know why I said that. I think there's a lot of liberal hype about what we should and shouldn't do, and everyone seems to think that we just need to give people more money and, and give people more, like, health care and, and all this stuff should be free. But that's that's just ridiculous. Like, who's going to pay for it if it's free? Someone does. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And that's more than just a saying now that everyone's in this terrible pandemic. Here I am talking about it. I promised myself I wouldn't, I would try not to talk about this. I'm totally unscripted today. And, um, I, I was going to read this article instead, but here I am talking about it. Anyway, that's that. Uh, how did this tie into what I was saying? Oh, yeah. So, the middle school math test is scheduled for April 17th, 2020. I don't even know why I did that. It's it's so easy. I, th I feel like I should have just gone for the high school one, but I was worried that I wouldn't know the sine and the cosine and the tangent and the logarithm and the antiderivatives, which are probably not going to be that much of the test anyway. So now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just cater to whatever need they that that's, that is out there. And uh, it looks like science is, is more in need, which is a problem, because I wasn't really great, necessarily, at science. But I'm good at tests, so that's all that really matters. And our first item of business is about to begin now. An article on spectrumnews.org, my favorite news.org website, called Sensory Sensitivity, Sensory Sensitivity in Autistic People May Stem from Subset of Neurons. A lot of S's. Okay. There's this big picture of a mouse, a lab mouse with big red eyes, and underneath it says, the caption, Sensing Touch, Mice that can sense light whisker touches, 
show diminished activity in a subset of neurons, and that's a subset of neurons called, in all caps, they call it SHANK3. And they say that up to 2% of people with autisms have a mutation in this subset of neurons called SHANK3. And it's a problem for me because I think up to 2% of people is not a significant number to be studying uh, a subset of neurons in mice. First off, people don't have whiskers. Well, unless you have a mustache. I wish I had a mustache. Second, what if they're girls? Probably not going to be girls because boys to girls with autism, uh, the numbers are like four, four to 4.3 to 1, I think is what I read. Boys to girls in terms of who has autism. But what they're saying, and his name, I don't think I'm going to say it right, but he's the professor of neuroscience at MIT. So he's a huge deal. He's the lead investigator on the study. So I, I think it's important to recognize his research. Guo Ping Feng, Professor Guo Ping Feng, says um, up to 90% of people with autism have sensory problems including hypersensitivities to sensations such as sound or touch. And I'm, I'm kind of just quoting this here. I'm trying to paraphrase it. Um, but he's saying that maybe the disruptions may have a, a neurological cause. Um, so, like, the, the thing that everyone's talking about is sensory overload, and I get it. I mean, I was wondering why I didn't want to talk to people you know, for two years after being disqualified. Not only that, I wouldn't want to go anywhere that I used to go. I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to have anything to do with music. I, w I didn't want to hear anything. I just wanted to hear my own thoughts. And, and if anyone can relate to that, you know, I feel your pain. I said that already, but I, I feel like the best way for us to function is to just talk about it and so the only reason why I didn't want to talk about it before was because I thought I was hanging out of this pipe dream of like okay one day I'm going to be this dad and I'm going to have like you know like a, a beer gut and I'm going to have four kids and we're going to have soccer practice and but Joey's not going to want to go to soccer practice but I'm going to make him go to I don't know Joey is not really a name I would have considered for a name. I thought Rocco would be a cooler name because Rocco Knox, Rocco Knox. Hey Rocco, uh, it's okay. Just just call me Rocks. I don't know. But now that I'm looking at reality and thinking about you know life without kids and having it being a good thing. Um, I'm able to talk about these sort of things. And so one of the things that I've, I've been able to do, if I find that I need to think my thoughts and I can't because there's just too much else going on, is I, I talk to myself. I actually will voice record myself while driving. And it helps me because I'll listen to it later. And I'm, I'm kind of like, what was I thinking while I was saying all that? Like sometimes I'll say things because it looks like, you know, when you're voice recording yourself, it looks like you're talking on speakerphone, so I'm not really nervous about other people who are driving by me, looking at me while I'm talking. Although I do stop talking when someone 
passes me and, and gives me a look. <laughs> I'm, I always listen to my voice recordings and I'll hear myself in the middle of a sentence. I'll just be talking about something that will be so important and then, and then I'll keep going after the pause and, I, <laughs> and act like there's nothing that just happened. Maybe I'll play one of my voice messages one time, but it's kind of personal and I don't know if you guys would even like it. Anyway, this study says Shank 3, a subset of neurons, um, are not... Uh, it doesn't... It's, it says that peop, the mice that are sensitive show diminished activity. It means when you examine the subset of neurons when there's like something that you're you're doing that's like, you know, um, you're testing the sensitivity of these mice, then the neurons fire less. So there's something that people have. The mice don't have the Shank 3 gene. This is why I don't think it's a really valid study, but still important to consider. Since the mice don't have the Shank 3 gene, um, the ones that are sensitive to the whisker touches, uh, you know, they're thinking that maybe there's this subset of neurons in people that causes hypersensitive, hypersensitivity. A little bit of a stretch, but still an interesting article nonetheless. Okay, so now we're at the point in my podcast where I talk about the most opinionated part of this week's news, and I call it The Grinder, because you can take this article, and you can, you know what I'm going to say, you can put it right down the grinder, yep, down the, the chute, the garbage disposal. The article is called New U.S. Data Shows Similar Autism Prevalence Among Racial Groups. That part I agree with. Scroll down. There's a picture of several six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, not even seven, maybe maybe, maybe seven or eight. And <laughs> I love it because it's like, it's, he, he's kind of light-skinned. There's a black guy, black kid, not black guy. <laughs> and he's got, he's got an like a partial afro, and he's working real hard. And then, were they implying that he has autism? And then the, 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 the quote is, Closing gaps. Nearly the same number of black children and white children are being diagnosed with autism in the United States. Yay for equality. I'm being sarcastic. Um, I, I know that's the problem with me. I can't be sarcastic because sometimes I have a, a very, very neutral tone, like my the tone of my voice doesn't go up and down, so you really can't tell when I'm sarcastic sometimes. But I'm being very sarcastic because, and I'll, I'll tell you in one second, um, this article needs to go in the grinder. Okay, so autism prevalence in the United States, here's what it says. Um, autism prevalence, according to new study, blah, 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 boys are more likely than girls, of course. Report... From CDC. Okay, here's the part that I think is going in the grinder. Okay, so this report says that 1 in 54 children had autism in 2016. And that's a 10% increase over the 2014 prevalence 
of 1 in 59, which was probably a 10% increase from the 2012 prevalence of, I don't know, 1 in 67. I remember it was a 2010 is when I first heard about this this thing. You know, everyone was talking about how kids are being diagnosed with autism, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like one in a hundred. You know, that, that, was, that was what it was, I think, at one point. I don't remember what year that was. I should probably look that up. But my point is, what they're saying is, okay, proportion of autistic four-year-olds evaluated for autism by age three. What are you, are you mad? Are you insane? Who's evaluating a three-year-old for autism? And if they are, what are they going to do for them at age three that's going to cure them? Like, or, or help them to be high-functioning. The, the problem is, the more you look for something, the more you're going to think you found it. So the fact is, you could go around looking for evidence of aliens, and you think you found something, and the fact that you've looked so hard, you're just going to convince yourself of it, and then someone's going to come along and say, no, dude, those crop circles were just done as a prank, by someone with, like, a really nice lawnmower, and they, they probably went, you know, in, in a pattern, and then it, they, they, they remembered the way they came in and were able to leave. You know, I, I just think this is nonsense. Okay, so I'll just read it a little bit more. Okay, 2010, 72%. What does that statistic mean? Proportion of autistic four-year-olds evaluated for autism by age three. So how many autistic four-year-olds were evaluated in 2010 by age three. It says 72%. And in 2016, there's 84%. Well, duh, that's why you're getting more kids with autism. I think this is, this is, this is garbage. This is just absolute nonsense. The best way you could help someone who you think has autism at a young age is by not talking about it because they're, they're, they don't know anything. They're just, they're just looking at the world through the lens of a sponge, of a sea sponge. They're like down underwater looking up at the sky in this big, big liquid bubble with all the refraction of light coming in from all these different directions and absorbing everything like a sponge. And they're going to do whatever you tell them to do. If you tell them that they have autism at age three, they're going to be like, okay, can I have some more Cheerios, mister or missus? This is just ridiculous. For the first time, the CDC reports, and I'm quoting, uh, shows a nearly identical prevalence in black and white children. Yay! Researchers had long suspected that the previously seen differences reflected a bias against non-white groups, rather than a true difference in prevalence. However, it looks like it's prevalent in everyone, but it's still lagging behind Hispanic kids. So... And this is me trying to be sarcastic again. So if you are an educator and it's your job to evaluate, or no, an educational psychologist, and it's your job to evaluate little kids for autism, you should probably be checking Hispanic children, according to this article, because it looks like they're kind of lagging behind. We need more Hispanic kids with autism. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Prevalence of autism among 8-year-old boys by race. Oh, I hadn't looked at this chart yet. It says here, non-Hispanic and white are between 18 and 19% of 8-year-old boys. Black, 
17 non-Hispanic white, 18 to 19 percent. Non-Hispanic black, 17 to 19 percent. Per, percent. Hispanic, between 14 and a quarter to 16 and a quarter percent. And if you're Asian, it's anywhere between 16 to 20 percent. And now, I, I, this is just non. This is just madness. Like. I I really applaud them for doing all this research, but to look at it and evaluate it based on an earlier and earlier age is just perpetuating the problem. That's like saying, okay, it's like saying we need to go shopping because all of these things are on sale and we don't have a lot of money. But once we buy the things that are on sale, we're going to have less money than we had before. Maybe not the best analogy, but still, I think the best remedy, if I was an educational psychologist, I know it sounds like, okay, well, I don't know anything about this because I, I don't have a degree in, in psychology. I don't have any clinical hours where someone's looking over my shoulder but from personal experience, what has helped me is not when someone else has told me that there's something wrong with me. And I think that's true for anyone. That's just like one of those golden rules. And I'm, I'm about out of time. I'm sorry to leave on such a riled up note. If you are interested, please follow me on Instagram at Manthanasios, M A N. T-H-A-N-A-S-I-O-S or on Twitter at MrKnox02. Download a copy of this podcast at my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash MrKnox02. Thanks for tuning in to The Functioning Podcast. Have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.